uh, Jesus, and thank you that uh, you're here with us. And um, I, I pray that what on the surface may feel like really simple words uh, in this last chapter of James, um, that they would just inspire us, God, to be the, the, the people that we were created to be, that we would gain a heart of wisdom and, a, and an excitement and energy for, um, for those um, who are sitting next to us, for those that we don't know, for the people that we come across. May our love, um, may our love for humanity grow. May our, our hatred of, of the evil and the brokenness in this world grow, that we might be people of justice and beauty and life and not contributing to the culture of death we see around us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're also going to have some baptisms today, which I'm super excited about. So excited I took my sweater off. I told my wife, I'm going to teach in a t-shirt because I'm like, had such a crazy week for something about a t-shirt feels like really freeing. So if you're new and you expected the pastor in a tie, I'm very sorry. Truly, truly, not as uh, just going with the t-shirt thing today. Feels right. Uh, And why not lead off with a good like hangover story? So any of you, I'm not going to have a a raising of hands. Uh, Have you ever had a moment where you may have partake in the glorious spirits of the Lord uh, too much one night and you wake up in the morning and the uh, proper level of, of water that should be in your body has depleted. Anyone ever been hungover? <laughs> Don't whistle for that. I was like, yeah, it's right now. <laughs> if you've ever been so sick and, and I, it's, it's directly related to, to hangover, not like just so sick like you have a bug because you don't usually do this. Uh, have you ever been, um, you know, on the big white phone uh, at the throne of refuse and, and said in your head, you're probably not out loud, but said in your head, God, I will never drink again. In that moment, you make promises like I will never look again at another Coors Light. I will never again. I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. You're so, oh my gosh. I mean, I've never felt this way. I've never had this happen to me before. So I'm just, I've heard stories. Just being honest. This is church, right? You should be able to be honest. If you've ever had a moment like that, we don't, I mentioned that because this passage begins, or what we're going to study today, not the whole chapter, talks about oaths. We don't really make too many oaths. And I think the, that story kind of helps get at some of the confusion of what's going on and why James says this. So quick recap. The whole book has all been about what's true, what's false. True faith, false faith. True wisdom, false wisdom. And it's one of the most central ideas is true faith isn't just cognitive assent. And what I mean by that is true faith isn't saying, yes, I really believe that, and I've been using this example the whole series, I might as well end with it. I really believe that like the food industry is really broken, so I should only eat free range or vegetarian or anything. I believe it. I've read the stats. I've seen the documentaries. I've had the really annoying vegan bug me. Not my wife, the annoying vegan. Some other annoying vegan. And been like, 
I am convinced. I am mentally convinced, but good Lord, that bacon looks good. You know what I'm talking about? So he's saying true faith, like I believe this. I believe this to be true, but this is how I live. He's like, it's really not faith at all. And he uses a number of examples, and that is arguably the, the kind of central theme is, do you know who you are? Right? We have this great section around being double-minded. It's like somebody who goes, looks in a mirror. Hi, Andrew. Nice t-shirt. Great. Walks away and forgets what they look like. That's kind of silly. But he uses this really silly example in, in the beginning of, of the chapter, in the beginning of this letter uh, to these churches. And he says, it's sort of like that. It's like, you guys... You guys say you believe that Jesus is king. You, you know who Jesus is. He, he was this poor, poor man and this ultimate incarnation of who God is. He was this lover of his enemies. He has said that you are loved right where you are at, like exactly how you are. You know what's happened on the cross. You know the inbreaking of heaven that has begun. Like all of this, this epic, like this is who you are now, lavished in the love of God. You say you believe all this, but then when I look around, you treat the poor with disdain. When I look around, the leaders are being manipulative. When I look, it's sort of like um, how many people tend to look at the church in general, right? I mean, sometimes it's, it's definitely an unfair rap, but a lot of times it's like, it, I love when, when people who are not Christians look in and go, oh, you Christians are so hypocritical. I actually really enjoy that because it means that you expect something more from us, Right? It means that they, whoever they are, go like, I kind of like, you say you follow this Jesus, dude, but I just, no Martin Luther King's emerging from your community. No even like kind people. Y'all seem anxious and angry. Now, it doesn't mean we're supposed to be perfect. It doesn't mean we're supposed to fake anything. That's like the gross side of church. But it means we're supposed to be honest with our brokenness, honest about who God is, and actually recognizing that true faith isn't just I believe some data it's that it actually is flushed out in my own life and I'm beginning to see it take hold. So we've been talking about this and talking about it. We spent two months in the book of James. And, and so I know I'm skipping over the first chunk of five. We're not gonna have time to get that. We're gonna return to that in another sort of series in the summer. We just ran out of time. But in verse 12, he says this, and I think this is just weird. If you've been following along with us, he says, above all, my brothers and sisters, and what are you waiting for? Like, above all, my brothers and sisters, don't be double-minded, right? Maybe just a quick recap. Above all, like, don't be hypocrite. Above all, make sure you're true. You're waiting for that. And here's what he says. If you have your Bibles open. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Other translations say, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not make an oath. The swearing there is not like, don't drop an F-bomb. This is about making oaths. I mean, don't drop an F-bomb. Why on earth? Like, that's it? Above all, this is why people have a hard time reading the Bible. It's like, above all, where did that come from? So we have to understand a little bit of the context. And I want to be honest up front. A bunch of scholars disagree on exactly the details of exactly what's going on. So I'm not going to try to pretend and pick one. I'm just going to give you a really quick overhaul so we can get to the prayer bit. What's cool about this and fascinating about this is an oath, and Jesus addresses this. He's really against oaths. Like, Why are you against oaths? So an oath would be um, you know, putting your hand on the Bible in court. What happens when you put your hand on the Bible in court? What are you saying? You're under oath. What does that mean? 
What you're about to say is going to be what? True. Because the things you were going to say a few minutes before weren't going to be true. What is it doing? What is an oath? Have you ever thought about this? Like what, what isn't, why do they do that? You might have been lying all the way up until this point, but hey, 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 hey. Now, just to be clear, you're going to get in trouble if you lie. Maybe before there wasn't any really epic consequence, but you're in court, right? There's a guy with a really long black robe over there with a hammer. Like you can't lie now because your hand's on a book because you raised it up here because you, now it's serious time. I think it's interesting that James goes, you shouldn't need to have to make oaths. Now, it's not court is not what James is talking about. But people would say, you know, on my mother's grave, right? On my great-grandmother's hibiscus plant. I have no idea where that one came from. I don't know my great-grandmother. I don't even know what a hibiscus plant is. Thank you, random mind. Like, like we, I mean, these are the silly things. It's kind of hard for us to get this oaths thing because we don't experience it in the same sort of way outside of like court. But, but for the religious people around this time, it was like convoluted language. Like, don't, don't say a bunch of stuff. Don't feel the need to preface and heap all this language on to like ensure like, hey, look, look, believe me. No, believe me. Right? There's a lot of religious tradition. So a lot of this actually wasn't even about people. It was about how you relate to God. Have you ever heard of religious people conjuring up, like, if you say this prayer in this sort of way and this thing, then, then people will. Like, then God will respond. If I only do this, right? Most, actually, pretty much all major world faiths that rely on a deity all have some sort of, if I do this, I can get to God. If I spin the wheel, then I, I, I will somehow get to God. If I, if I give this amount, if I do X, Y, or Z, then this will happen with God. We make oaths. We bargain. It's control. Um, I, I want to admit something honest about myself. Corey and I, my wife, uh, I, I put a lot of value on words because it communicates the heart of what I, I want to do. Anyone like that? Like you really want to make sure you feel understood, but you're less passionate about actually like following through. You don't want to admit that, but it's kind of like real. So the amount of times I'm like, no, no, Corey, I got this, and I went through this, and went through this, and let me explain this, and hear my heart of why I wasn't able to get that thing done. I know you asked me 14 times. And I know I kind of half lied, told you I did it, but I meant, what I meant to say is that I was going to do it. Anybody? Yeah, so for Corey, I've learned in our brief time of being married that she doesn't want to hear it. She wants to be able to just have total confidence when she looks at me that, like, the little things in our house are going to get done. She really would rather me not explain, and she's not actually interested in the deep, heartfelt backstory of why I wasn't able to take the trash out. You know? I sound crazy, but it's, it's a little bit true. I can, like, romanticize anything. No, you don't understand. I was serving this dead bird, and I couldn't do it. You know, like, the point... <laughs> I'm so tired. Oaths. <laughs> Go like that. There's these early communities that got like really almost legalistic about this. 
There's this one community, this ancient Jewish community, and there's a historian, Josephus, who's writing around the same time as James. He writes this about them. They're called, I, can't, I don't know how to pronounce the name. I think it's the Essens or Essens. They said this, they are eminent for fidelity and are ministers of peace. Whatsoever they say also is firmer than an oath. So this community, whatever they say is firmer than an oath. Let's just bring it to our modern context just to make sense of it. It's firmer than putting your hand on a Bible. It's like more, like just anything that they say. It's like they're under oath the whole time. Swearing, again, oath-making, is avoided by them, and they esteem it worse than perjury. These people, don't, don't you dare tell me like to, to like commit at this point to give an oath. It was offensive to them. For they say that he who cannot be believed without swearing an oath is already condemned. Boom. This is so, it makes so much sense of why James is landing the plane here. You shouldn't have to try to manipulate God, say a bunch of stuff to get God to do something. You shouldn't have to like put your hand on a Bible or, or, or give these back explanations or swear on this or swear on that to get people to, it's all, that's all control. That's all not true belief. That means your life isn't speaking. That means you're not transparent. That means you're double-minded. That means you're not, like there's some disconnect between who you say you are and what your life actually looks like if people just saw it. And what you actually say, there's a disconnect. It's brilliant. So where does James go then? He starts to talk about prayer. Because, because swearing an oath is unbelief and prayer is about belief. Prayer is about, look, don't swear an oath. Don't get caught up in this religious jargon. Don't get up and trying to be fake at church. Don't get caught up in trying to like present whatever it is. Are you, is there a faithfulness in what you say you believe and how you live? And so when you come before God, like do it honestly. And so what does he say then here? Is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing a song of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. They've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's like, just come forward. Just be honest. Be straightforward. If, you're, if you are on top of the world, be on top of the world. Don't convolute this. This is an invitation, amongst other things. There's a lot of things going on in this passage. But amongst other things, to be honest, to be transparent. To not, oaths are about control. Oaths are about control. I mean it this time, God. Like, I, I mean it this time. No, 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 I, I've been through this. No, God, I'll never, I will never do this again. Never. <laughs> There will never be a PBR in my future ever. Like, oaths mean you have to add something. Prayer is about vulnerability. Prayer is about not being double-minded. And that's powerful. People who are not double-minded, they are powerful. There is a gravitas to someone who you look at them and you're getting what you get. And that doesn't mean you don't still have hypocrisy in your heart. This isn't a call to perfection. It's an invitation, though, to be transparent. It's an invitation to actually have the things you say you believe line up in your own life. And the things, as followers of Jesus, we believe that align with the way of Jesus. Prayer is about surrendering. 
If, if oaths are about conforming God's heart to mine. Oaths, when you would say them in this ancient religious context, it'd be about, I want to get God to do this. And so I'll say that the Pharisees had this really complex system of prayers. The religious people, again, religious people making religion really complex so people can't understand and that holding power never happens today. And so, that was a really good joke, Andrew. And so you would make these, I'm going to conform what God's heart to mine. I'm going to pray the things that I want to pray to get God to do stuff. We live with this illusion of control. Prayer is about conforming my heart to God. Prayer is about conforming my heart to God, which brings us to the coolest stinking part of this whole book to me. Is then, he goes, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Why is the prayer of, and then he uses an example real quick before we get to that. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly. Elijah was like epic in Jewish folklore. So it was almost like uh, all the scholars I've been reading, they like say it was kind of good that James put that in there because Elijah had become like deified almost. He was just like, he was the man, man. He was two levels, man. The Elijah was a human being, even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced crops. So he uses Elijah as the story to reinforce this. So uh, who is a righteous person? Righteousness is simply right living. It's usually associated with justice for the poor and oppressed and it's associated with holiness, with being set apart. Like, how's your tongue? How's your sex life? Like, what are the things? Are you walking in the way of Jesus? Are you caring for the other? Are you putting the other in front of yourself? Are you aligning yourself with how things are supposed to be? True righteousness. When someone is so grounded in the love and grace of God, that God, like the divine flows through them to those around them, they often don't have to say a thing. Because you're with them, you're like aware of it. Their heart is conformed to God's. You've been around these kinds of people, right? Been around these kinds of people? Another way to say it is they're lined up well. They're living in the larger like flow trajectory of God. The people that you admire that walk with God, that have compassionate strength, that aren't judgmental, that live with integrity, they usually what? They don't need to announce it. It's I have found that the people who need to like, no, I'm compassionate, bro. Like, like I need, like that need to say things about how like, like, in, like how much integrity they have. They drop weird stories, right? They're like the story topper. Like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, I did this other good thing. The people that need to insert themselves it's sort of like the person who's like doing really well. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day and there's this gentleman around town who's, had some wins lately in his industry. And apparently he's like just been going to every like person around town and being like, hey, yeah, you know, thanks for the cup of coffee. Yeah, so I was like, you know, hanging out with, uh, you know, Jorge Lorza and Gina Raimondo the other day. I mean, no big deal. I mean, how, how are you doing? <laughs> Context for that? Like, you know, they feel the need to let them, let you know who they are and how important or whatever it is. It's kind of what James is, is talking about here with prayer. It's like, you, you don't need to. This connection between oaths and prayers. These are people who are righteous. The prayers of a righteous person, the prayers who are living right. These are people who are lined up with how things are. They are living well. And oftentimes you don't even have to, to ask them. You just know. 
So of course you want these kinds of people praying for you, directing their best intentions, their will toward you, them connecting with God, them inviting God for you. Why? Because they have an understanding of what God wants. When I, when I want to get my mom a gift, I have a hard time buying things for my mom. I go to who for advice? My dad. Because my dad spends the most time with her. And he will have a good pulse on what she needs. And in the same way, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. These are the people who are lined up with how things really are. These are the people who are lined up with what is most good and true and beautiful. These people aren't perfect. This isn't, this isn't don't have their own hypocrisy and their own junk. But we want to be these kinds of people who are lined up with how the prayers of somebody who is, who is living rightly, who, who isn't double-minded, who doesn't need to, to jockey for position in what they say, who don't need to, they're, they're being transparent and honest. This could be somebody who's got nothing together. Like the whole life is a wreck, but they come before God honestly and earnestly. This is the example that's used with Elijah. They come before him earnestly and honestly and just, and, and are, are not trying to hide anything. God says, all I want is a broken and contrite heart. Just be honest with where you're at. You make room for me to actually transform you. Stop being so egotistical. It's why I get so confused. Like I'm sure somebody in this room will be really upset that I use like the hangover metaphor. It's like, where else are we gonna be honest and transparent about what's going on inside our heart? Church should be the first place. If you've come here and you're looking for like a nice tidy group of people, like, Please leave. Because there are none of them here. I mean, except me, I'm kind of okay. <laughs> the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. So a prayer offered up in faith will make them well. He, he, he speaks of the, this mysterious power. And so Elijah, and I don't have time to get into it because I want to make some room for something different today. But Elijah this whole thing about the rain and the land, this wasn't like a parlor trick. If you remember, the story of Elijah is about idolatry. These people had put other things before God. They had disordered their life. Elijah was dialed into the promises and, and, and the, the reality of what, what God wants. So when we turn God into a vending machine with our prayers, Lord, make me happy in my middle-class niceness, like that's not actually what God's after. God loves you, he'll provide for you in the ways that you need, but it's the people who are about the bigger things of God. There's all these really great quotes actually about this. Like, what is it? Like when, when Jesus says, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Like everyone's opinion that I have read about this, like these esteemed Christian writers all talk about every time there's a big promise like that, like the temptation is to claim it like, cool, I believe that Jesus is God, so if I pray this, it'll happen, and then it doesn't happen, and I'm disappointed. No, every time, it's directly hardline related to the very will of God. Like, what is God doing? And what we believe God is doing, right, is baked into our mission statement, joining God in the renewal of everything. Like, God is renewing all things. He is reconciling our own hearts and reconciling everything else around us. So C.S. Lewis says this about, about this prayer of faith, about the prayer of the righteous person. He says, only when the one who prays does so as God's fellow worker, demanding what is needed for this joint work, 
It is the prophets, the apostles, the missionaries, the healers' prayer that is made with this confidence. Something of the divine foreknowledge enters his mind. In other words, the, the prayer of a righteous person, they know the things of God, what God's after in this situation. It, it's actually really clear what it means to be on mission together in this. Philip Yancey says this, one who works in close partnership with God grows in the ability to discern what God wants to accomplish and prays accordingly. Uh, and, and another writer who I almost never quote for some obvious reasons, but I'm gonna quote him today. John Piper says this, prayer is a, is a wartime walkie-talkie for spiritual warfare, not a domestic intercom to increase the comforts of church people. In other words, he's saying, look, for prayer is about aligning ourselves with the mission of God. And so today we're gonna practice something a little bit weird and different. Um, this microphone's out here. Maybe we can pull it in a little bit more. But uh, I've asked some of the leaders and, um, and some of the folks, I think this will be having a second service, some of the folks that are being baptized, um, to share um, just to, to share, to offer up a prayer um, or to offer up a praise, right? Because it's both. If any, anyone among you is like winning and on the mountaintop, like, like share this. If, any, if anyone among you uh, is hurting and needs help or has somebody hurting and needs help, pray, pray for them. And so I thought we should actually maybe practice this. And that's a little weird in a service and this might just, completely backfire, but I'm, I'm trusting that some of us might feel just bold enough to get up. And what I want to invite you to do um, is, is to, um, I'm going to have the leaders come first, but just to share, like, and I'm talking like, a, like three sentences, four sentences, like I want to, I want to pray for this, 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 and this. And how we're going to respond as a congregation is thanks be to God or Lord have mercy. So this is kind of an ancient tradition where if someone comes up and is like, I, this is happening and this is happening, just two, three sentences, and then we will respond, Lord, have mercy. Or someone comes out, some of the people who, uh, again, I think it's more for the second service, who are gonna share about their baptism or share something beautiful that's happened, we're just gonna say, thanks be to God. We do this because we want to practice the art of of being honest and being transparent and, and trusting the power of when we actually bring these things before, not just God, right? It says here, the community, that something really beautiful and powerful actually happens. So even if it just happens to be the leaders, that's, that's okay, but I wanna encourage you, maybe if there's just a few things, you don't need that wax eloquent, you can just get up and say like, grandma. <laughs> like, well, maybe give a little more context than grandma but to share something that we can all just respond to and just kind of pray over you these two simple prayers. So um, let me pray, let me begin and pray for us and then uh, I'll invite up the leaders to come and pray. Lord, um, as we just take a pause in the middle of this teaching and, and offer up um, or just follow, Lord, the commands in this section, if anyone among you is in trouble or we want to pray, if anyone's happy, we want to give thanks. If anyone is sick, we want the leaders to be able to pray over them in this beautiful symbolic image of anointing them with oil, this, this symbol of just healing, of coming alongside, of caring 
of cleansing. And we want to just um, create that atmosphere here this morning that we wouldn't just come and consume, that we would be able to learn how to participate and be open and transparent with one another. So, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come.